0: what up everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast no john tonight john will be back in our normal uh our normal time for our show Uh, this is uh, this is our monday morning sunday night show uh we have the backlash recap uh i am going to bring justin nipper onto the show and he is going to uh, join me to talk about Backlash, which we both watched earlier today. He also wrote a piece on Hannah Kimura, one of three pieces that he's going to write on her, and uh, also why I wanted to bring him on. So we'll talk about those articles, the, the one that he's written that's already on the website, and the uh, the ones that he is going to write, in, the, in the, or he's probably written some of them, but that we'll post over the next couple of weeks and those will be up. So, really, really interesting stuff. If you are uh, interested in that story, Justin has a specific um, nuance to it. He understands both cultures very well, and just really, really impressive. So, um, you know, and, and it's a hard story, and and he has the right sensitivity in, in writing about this as well. So, the other thing I wanted to mention... Um, is the New Japan Cup, which as of uh, when you listen to this, um, the New Japan Cup is going to start. Technically, for those on the um, on the West Coast, it will the, the matches will start at 3 a.m. on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning. So 3 a.m. Tuesday morning is when the show starts, and you know it's great to have new japan back it's after especially after watching backlash tonight you know it's all like all, all all i wanted to do was watch some new japan but their version of empty arena wrestling we we'll see how their product works with the empty arena my guess is that it is going to work really well i who knows if it'll work uh Better or worse than uh, than some of the best stuff that we've seen, but I, I do have some faith in in them being able to do so uh, without uh, do so in a, in a strong way without having the crowd. Though you know it, it will probably be uh, be affected for sure, like the other wrestling uh, AEW, WWE, NXT, all that stuff. So the interesting thing about the New Japan Cup is something that we're doing on the website. Uh, you may have seen tweets from our page. Uh, if you are a part of the Facebook group, you've seen tons of stuff about this, which is we're doing a bracket challenge for, um, for the New Japan Cup. You know, there was no March Madness this year. It, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, most people probably at least participate in with, with a March Madness bracket and before the shutdown, we were going to do the same thing with the New Japan Cup. We were going to put together a bracket and put together some prizes. And, um, and you know, as many people who, who want to be a part of this can, can join. And so what we've done is uh, there is a, a post on the website currently. Uh, you, can, uh, you can join the challenge. You have to do two things. You have to join our Facebook group. And we've seen a good number uh, of people uh, join that Facebook group. There's been, you know, 20 something uh, over the last day or so. And we also have to do is just uh, retweet the uh, one of two tweets that I've put out there on the Fight Game Media Twitter account, which promotes the uh, the challenge, just so more you know more people see it. And then uh, and then you have to send me your bracket to fightgamepod at gmail.com uh, and uh, have to send uh, the total time of the main event just as a time breaker, a uh, tiebreaker, and just get all that stuff in before the first New Japan Cup. Uh, match starts so if you are interested in joining the challenge check out the uh the posts that are uh the post that is on the website go to fightgamemedia.com and check out the twitter account you will uh you will see tons of stuff people are are posting about their brackets and uh, i think you know part of it is just people are pretty fired up to um to have something meaningful uh, in in that perspective, again, like, you know, we didn't get a real WrestleMania this year. We got the empty arena version, at least with the New Japan Cup. There's a tournament aspect to it. It kind of um, is a little bit of a prelude to the uh, the G1. And, you know, if they can pull off the New Japan Cup in this empty arena, I think people will be be... Uh, super excited to uh to to see how that works with the G1 so they they get they get to practice here a little bit um and and so uh definitely um definitely give it a shot if you want to join there's going to be you know there's going to be a lot of people in it so it should be a lot of fun and I will post results or updates to uh to the group the fight game podcast group we'll, we'll have we'll have a thread or two going to make sure that uh, that you know everyone can see how they're doing in pretty close to real time. I you know I the when the show is over, um, I think most of us will still be sleeping. At least on on the uh, on the West Coast, we'll still be sleeping. So uh, those on the East Coast, you know, probably can will know the results. But before I'm able to wake up and and populate them. So um, after Justin and I talk, I'm going to bring on Dave Meltzer. And we're going to go over his bracket. Now, this is pre-recorded uh, from a couple of days ago. I, I did the bracket with him, and I will tell you that his bracket is uh, definitely—it <laughs> um, is surprising. Like he, he, he you don't—he picked a winner that uh, I, I don't think most people will pick. So, very interesting to check out his bracket. So, we'll get to all that stuff. But I wanted to, to let everyone know um, about. Um, You know about what we're doing and and obviously thanks so much to our sponsor uh, bet online for everything that they do for us so that this show can exist so let's dial up Justin all right have Justin here who has written part one of a very well researched and very thoughtful piece on Hannah Kimura and her mother justin you know i i i invited you here to talk about backlash um i know i know we 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 both are not watching every single piece of wwe content these days but you know it's still it's still interesting to see where where the pay-per-views are going when it comes to the these uh these quarantine no fans times but also i think it's relevant to bring you on because you wrote part one of a three-parter that is up on the website. That I think is such a, um, it is such an a thoughtful and very nuanced piece about Hana and her mother. And you have a background that enables you to really understand uh, the culture. Then I, I would assume most Americans who are uh, who are writing or following the story. And I just wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about it because you know it, it is it is a story that I think I think when it happened uh, we were all just really petrified and scared and worried about her because it was happening in real time, and then you know when when we found out what the what had actually happened, then it kind of blew up and and the story you know we I think we know just about everything that has happened, but you know as, as you're researching and and sort of thinking about the the story were there anything was there anything within the story that you were a little bit worried about that the translation from the japanese culture to the american culture you know something may get mixed and 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 may not come through correctly or or the way that you wanted it to
2: Mm, not necessarily i think well first thanks for having me on before thanks for the setup thanks um but first with the nuances and the differences, I wasn't worried about that as much as hoping that people realize that this Hanokimura story, it's just not one thing that happened. It's kind of, uh, it's really hard to explain and I'm still kind of working it through, but it opens, uh, the door to lots and lots of different really Japan centric social issues. Um, like four or five pretty particular ones that are, so it's not like it's, I'm worried too much about things being lost in translation or lost in uh, kind of ambiguous cultural language. I'm just worried about whether, not worried about, I just want people to know this is what the story really is and here's the rest of it. It's not just what we kind of
0: know now.
2: Just do you think do Susan. you think that's a
0: misconception with the Americans following this story is that it was this one thing that happened on this reality TV show that caused her to, um, you know, fall into depression or something or, or, or the reason you know that it happened? It, do you do you think that is it? That is a misconception?
2: I don't no, I don't think it's a misconception. I think it's fair. At, cause I think it's pretty tough to report on cause there's just so much more to the story. Um, but yeah, that's the, you know, what happened, that's the main thing. That's what happened. And that's what most outlets are covering, but it's just, we have to brainstorm on how to bring the other parts of the story to, to people's minds. It's, it's really fascinating. It's really important I think too. Um, yeah. So not, I'm not worried about misconceptions as much. I just, I'm just trying to find
0: the right words to have, Yeah, I mean you're 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 covering a very sensitive topic for one. It's, and you know, you want to cover it in a way that is respectful but also truthful as far as you know. Right. And the reporting is is, is very important here because you don't want to get anything wrong when, when it comes to to the to the story. Um The uh, the one of the sources uh, of some of the quotes is is uh, Fumi Saito, who uh, you spent some time with, and he had some interesting quotes about uh, Hana's mother. And when when the way that the article reads is that it reads that Fumi, um, you could tell that Fumi is like Fumi thinks she's like a very interesting person, very interesting. Woman, like he, it looks like just based on the reading that he's got like really a lot of respect for her. Is, is I mean, is that is that kind of uh, the gist of, of what he thinks about Kyoko? Because that very much comes through in the reading of the article.
2: Definitely, and um, just because the whole series of articles hasn't been finished, the next article is going to focus a lot on that. Uh, first, I want to really seriously thank Fumisaito for giving me so much time. Um, to, uh, talking about this I mean he was really close To the situation He's known her since he was Since she was seven So it's just It's just it, It's unreal And But to really fully understand the story We really need to understand Kyoko Kimura That is the That's the next part of the story That will be coming this week But it's also just People really need to understand Her story to understand everything in in full.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't want to spoil that. I want the writing to stand for itself mm. and, you know, we can, we can maybe, uh, we, we've had some ideas about how to, you know, how how to piece this thing together. It's going to be in parts. And then maybe we'll, we'll actually release the whole thing in full. And when we do, maybe then we can talk about it again. But, uh, you know, the thing that I want to say to uh, the people listening here is, you know, we are predominantly, talking about WWE and AEW and the UFC and you know big big scale boxing events but I think the important thing here with the Hanakamura story is um outside of Dave Meltzer's bio you know I I didn't see a lot of really nuanced coverage that um that your that part one of your article did and I think it's really important because you know, people, uh, her, she did like, like her, her death was, was trending on Google and like people were interested. And the good thing about that is maybe they wanted to learn the story, but the negative thing about that is they weren't going to get, um, uh, the overall picture. And so that's kind of what I wanted from this, from this was, was you understanding, you know, both cultures, and knowing that you know you're you're a really good writer and you you've done this um, for a living before, and uh, I just thought it was a perfect match because uh, it's not an easy story, but it is something that you better than p- most people that I could even imagine would be able to uh, to handle. And and there's a sensitivity about it. There's a you know getting the story right part of it. And and I knew that you would strive to do that. And so I was I was so, you know, the very, very few things that uh, I read on, on my own website before I publish where I'm like, wow, like, you know, some of the stuff, yeah, I've talked about this before, like Robert Silva's boxing stuff, there's a lot of history stuff to it that I don't know. So I'm so interested in reading. But in reading your piece, like, you know, I, I'm pretty much like most people who, just googled the situation like i'm not close to the situation at all so i, I you know it, it is really it is a really special story and uh, i can't wait to read the other two pieces uh when, when you're done with them
2: yeah thanks you're making me blush um, <laughs> the uh the the weird thing about this story like there's a lot of in synchronicities for me like kind of there's this a lot of dots that connect in a weird way. Like, okay, so for the uh, back in uh, November, I was at the Grand Prix finals. I was actually with Fumi-san. And we were at Corkin Hall, and that was the last time I saw Hana. She was, she was, she won the thing, and Fumi spent so much time. We were we were talking during the uh, the event, and he was telling me. Like he was telling me about the plan that Rossi Ogawa had. It, it was what we saw the past year. She, since Hana signed that uh, contract in 2019 to officially become part of Stardom, she was slated for TV and she was on Terra's house and probably other things to that really big angle they had going with Julia that was looking to be pretty exciting, uh, to be building to something pretty exciting over the summer or. Maybe that was the plan. I don't know, but um, yeah, there, that's one part of it. But another part of it is um, where the Stardom Dojo is now. It's in a it's in a part of Tokyo called Kinsho, and that's where I I worked for a little more than three years. And uh, that's uh, like she was an age of students that I definitely would have taught while I was living in Japan. So it's mm-hmm. it's really when, when I think about it from that perspective, it's like, you really, you can feel how messed up someone would feel about this. So it's just, just a chance thing. It's not like, uh, I just want to do it just because I was in the, that place. And I I know I can, I can explain it in a clear and fair way an honest way. And it's just hard to explain a lot of, uh, aspects of Tokyo's
0: social culture. Right, right. Um okay, so if you haven't read it, go to fightgamemedia.com. Uh it is it is on the front page and uh you know we we will we will post the second one uh maybe sometime this week and then i will also you know because there are three pieces you know we'll link to the other pieces in case you come across part 2 and you're like oh where's part 1 it'll be very easy to find and then at the end of this whole thing you know we'll we'll put it all together in one l- a long article and you know we'll we'll try and find a uh, a placement for it so that it is easy to find for folks so what a, what a transition here to go from uh, something like that to WWE backlash.
2: Well, there's a, there's a segue I have because just before we finish on the Hana topic, I want to mention and the, the the gist of this whole article is not going to be uh, kind of a dark or like a downtrodden thing. This is going to be celebrating Kyoko and Hanakamura. So don't worry, everyone. This is going to be – it's going to be positive. I'm, I'm not – writing I'm not interested in writing anything grisly or negative. Right. You know, that that stuff is right. out there. If people are interested, that's fair, they can go and they can go and find it. It's out there. There there are articles. That Dave from the Observers article and the, the Jake Adelstein article on Daily Beast go into great detail between the wrestling stuff and the other real life stuff. Yeah. But this will I hope give people a good feeling by the end of the time they read it. And Backlash, well, that I don't know if that gave me a good feeling.
0: All right, let's take a quick break to talk about our partner, BetOnline. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Are you looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Talk about this. When I asked you if you wanted to do the show, your your thought process was, "Well, you know, I fo- I follow WWE and I, and I kind of know what's going on, but I'm not religiously watching as I may have once in the past." And that's I think right. that's that's fair. Like that, I think that is a lot of us. There are some who are uh, you know, it's just it's just habit, and, and they have to watch it no matter how good or or bad it is. And I'm not even saying that that it's necessarily bad. It's just you know, with no fans and this this crazy time, it is it is a harder show to watch. And and I've chosen instead to uh, allot my time to watch AEW and NXT uh, every week. So that sometimes leads to not being able to watch Raw. And I actually haven't watched it. I watched it all the way up through uh although all the, the build to WrestleMania. So I think I watched from royal rumble to wrestlemania and then once wrestlemania was over then i i've stopped watching raw but like you i, I still follow the storylines you know i'm listening to dave and brian talk about the show every uh every tuesday morning so i know what's going on I've, i see clips i i i, I I'm, I'm very aware and so coming into backlash um there there were some worries i i would say that i had um a the uh up and down the card i thought there i thought the card on paper i think the card outside of uh of the greatest match wrestling match ever i thought the card's pretty weak um the, you know there's there's no there's no charlotte uh there's no daniel bryan there's no aj styles and there instead there are jeff hardy and sheamus which is a, is a, is a really bad angle and Match wasn't very good. There's a really terrible build to a world title match with The Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman in a handicap match. Like, this is where either the creative is just uh, bankrupt or they, they they don't have you know they, they don't believe in in who who's on the roster to to be uh, a contender. So look on on the card from from me looking on the outside in, I was like, okay, this is probably not going to be a great show. But I really did want to see Edge and Randy Orton, and and also I have a soft spot for for Bobby Lashley. I've always liked him, and I think Drew McIntyre has been a really really good champion. So that being said, those two matches which I was looking forward to were really good, and the rest of the show sucked. So <laughs> let let let's uh, before we get to we'll start from the beginning, but. Just your your quick um I don't know if you do star ratings or how you think about wrestling matches but the greatest wrestling match ever did it uh, I'm sure it didn't sit as your number 1 favorite wrestling match of all time but uh were you surprised or did you or was it pretty much what you thought or was it even not not as good as you thought it could have been
2: Okay with the greatest match of all time ever uh i want to start with the good because there's more good than bad here because the match itself the wrestling these guys were pretty pretty awesome tonight even i mean both of them i don't recall a time where i've seen them they're like they were both zoned in whether you like the kind of wrestling or not the taste thing i get that i don't like when Edge does the the campy like the eyes the big eyes that's, <laughs> okay it's too much but but that's negligible because the match itself was pretty damn good and the last maybe five minutes were were really those were cool it was really good it was and I love the ending I wouldn't say love the ending but I like the ending
0: I, I I agree with you it you know I, I think those of us who understood what the game was in that they had to sell a pay per view that didn't really have strong uh title matches you know this was the marketing this was the the tagline for it and um i thought if it was at the very least a four-star match i i, I was going to be happy and 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 to me it it jumped over that hurdle and and so i was happy but uh we'll, we'll get into it uh at the end of this but l- let's actually sure. go from the beginning okay uh, so you saw uh, a little bit of the Apollo Crews uh, and Andrade match. I, I I missed it. I didn't know it was actually going to be on the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added a Street Profits versus Viking Raiders match uh before the show started and it turned out it wasn't actually a match. So uh it was a little it was a little weird, but I'm guessing this pushed uh, the Andrade match to the pre-show.
2: I guess so. I mean um That plus, would you really want to have Apollo Cruz and Andrade go right before Edge and RKO and the greatest match of all
0: time ever of all time? No, I would have wanted it to open up the show. I mean, I guess it did open up the show technically, but
2: kinda. But it's unfortunate because, to be honest, I'd rather see those guys go forty-five minutes instead of Randy Orton. But (laughs) it doesn't really matter because they—they're—it's a functional slot, they needed an opener that's solid, that they can depend on two guys to have a pretty good match and um, I guess they were trying to uh, heck, uh, not, uh, Angel Garza, he's with Zelina Vega now and there was some focus on him during the match there was a bit of kind of like some wrestling but they were also getting some angles over and Kevin Owens was on commentary and he was wearing a, a tie, I, I, I tuned in for only a little bit so I,
0: a, I mean that's another guy who wasn't on this show
2: uh, he gave someone a stunner. Who uh, He gave someone in that match a stunner. That's what he did.
0: And uh, Cruz wins, and he is still the U.S. champion.
2: Yep. I mean, it was short. So, I mean, the wrestling was cool. It was fine, but it was just on a free show. It was packed alongside a bunch of vignettes
0: for tonight's show. That pre-show sucked, by the way, though. I did catch the last 10 minutes of Rosenberg and whoever the guy that he's talking to.
2: Yeah, so that was the exact kind of same format they had for the NXT show last week. It was just that the green screen was different, so they're probably doing it from the same studio.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just uh, when he when, when Rosenberg said that the greatest match in in, in wrestling was uh, Randy Savage and, uh, oh, and Ricky Steamboat, like, to, to a WWE audience that that that's not a bad choice um but it is a it is a choice that basically says that a match from uh what is it now 33 years ago is is the best that that they could do i don't know if i would have necessarily done that but um yeah and when you know when they, was- do, when they do when they do stuff like that it's it's i get it because they their history is so important to them But at the same time, you're basically saying all of our great wrestlers cannot outdo a match from 33 years ago.
2: Yeah, it's part that, and I, I never. But the thing is, is that logic makes sense and checks out. But on the other hand, I feel like anybody on a WWE television show, I don't feel like they're always using their own thoughts. They're just, you know, their mouths are for other thoughts from whatever they want to plug that week. So maybe because sometimes I feel like they want their audience to think that some people really truly believe that Macho Man and Randy Savage from WrestleMania three is this it's titled a certain way and it's kind of branded a certain way. And of course it's a great match, but I, I don't know when I hear those kind of things, it sounds like like this repetitious kind of like, I don't take it too
0: seriously. Well, as long as they didn't say Brett and Sean from WrestleMania 12, uh, I, I would have really I like bothered. that match. I know. I know
2: that match is good. Uh, but but it's, it's not the greatest. Right. It, it's okay. Like, I, I do have a theory about this whole greatest match ever branding, though. I don't, should we save it for, for
0: yeah, later? Yeah, let, let, let's save it for the main event. Okay. So,
2: so that was the pre-show. It was just a bunch of uh, vignettes and the, the match It was pretty good. The wrestling was fine, but um, I didn't catch too much of it, so I can't talk too much about it.
0: Okay, so the opener is uh, Alexa, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. The I and the Iconics uh, triple threat match, uh, and the champs are Sasha and Bailey. I really like Sasha and Bailey mm. as a team. I like them independent of each other. They are two acts in a company. Where so many acts feel the same, or not, not, not the same because of their characters, but just they feel the same when it comes to what, wh- where they are placement wise. And Sasha and Becky have so much personality together. I said this on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio the other day that I think Bailey, I think I said Becky. It's actually Bailey. Bailey has overperformed what people thought she would be without the Bailey gimmick. And what it tells me is if you want to be good at your job in WWE you should just be a heel <laughs> because <laughs> they can't really book baby faces very well. Um some of them are are, are you know uh, nothing against Drew I think Drew's been tremendous and you know there are certain people like Daniel Bryan who you know he he's going to he's going to be over no matter what because he's just so good but you know certain people you think that they're such easy layups and and they're just not and and the second that Bailey turned i think a lot of people thought she was dead to rights but she's done such a great job with that character and and Sasha is just she is the one per one woman on that roster who i believe still has the opportunity to branch out and become a gigantic star for whatever reason it hasn't worked for her but i, I i've said this uh, a few times i I, w- uh, I was in dallas for wrestlemania 32 mm-hmm. and it was uh, her against charlotte against becky and she comes out with uncle snoop dogg and I'm just like, oh my God, put the strap on this woman right now. Yeah. I don't care what your plans are. she's bigger than life she's amazing. she's got charisma. she's doing stuff for Eddie Guerrero. she's got like his colors on and I, I you know some of it is her own she 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 gets hurt a lot because she's she's a small stature. but I just feel like you know if there is somebody that you can pull the trigger on and she still has so much to give it, it's Sasha so you know i I love, I love both of them but um and and i think i think they're great now this match if you take the iconics out of the match i think the match could actually be pretty good with the iconics it was okay i don't think they really did anything wrong but you know there were certain spots that they all had sort of you know thought out and and maybe even practiced that um they were fine but i just i just wanted to see more actual wrestling than you know these fun spots because there are three people in the ring and you could do you know these these clearly choreographed spots i wanted to see more wrestling and we got more sort of memorization of stuff but the match was the match was fine i i was fine with it i just wished it was uh it was a regular tag instead of the the three-way
2: yeah i would say I didn't really know what to expect. And like we talked about earlier, we haven't really been keeping up with it too uh, consistently over the past, I don't know, six months, a year, whatever. Um, And I felt like when I watched it, definitely Sasha, definitely Bailey. um, There was something that I felt like it was different. It was definitely tighter or better, especially Sasha in the ring. I felt like she doesn't hesitate as much in her, when she's going through, when she's going through the moves, when she's through, when she's in the action, I think there's something like it's not hesitating slash uh, some newer form of confidence. Like she does feel like she's in charge in the ring. You can see it when you watch her. And Bailey kind of kind of has that too. She figured out this heel thing, and she looks comfortable. It's it's corny, but I mean, it, what what I want to judge this match more by like this. They seem to have succeeded in achieving what they wanted to achieve. Now, like, like you said, it, it, I think it was really, you know, I had a choreographed feel. I don't think that's either bad or good. It's just a kind of style of wrestling. And I think yeah. it's, sometimes it was pretty impressive and it was cool and it was different. And I like that it was different because I think if they're going to have a female division, they shouldn't just copy all the men's like vocabulary in the ring. They should just like Alexa bliss. I think that's one of her strong points is that, She's not the typical, like, what you think of as, like, a great female wrestler, but she's a really original wrestler, and she's gotten over. That's one of the ways she's gotten over. Like, And I I don't understand why more girls don't... She does those kind of moves that are funky, looking like a moonsault in a uh, knee drop, or something. little things that she can do because she's small. And I think when, like, guys and girls have different bodies, and if girls can utilize their body to do kind of more cool, like you said, grappling or like crazy Yahweh style submission. I mean, I think that would be a cool way to maybe make some of their matches more interesting. I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point where we're going to see some great, like, you know, greatest match ever with, uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. So
0: So the finish here is uh, Alexa Bliss hits the Twisted Bliss. Her finisher onto uh, Peyton, and as she goes for the cover, Sasha grabs her and rolls her up for the pin. So you know it's a it's it's a it's a sort of a fun creative finish for a heel in a in a triple threat match. Uh, I was fine I was fine with that and. Uh, like you know, Sasha and Bailey should uh, should be champion for a while. Like I know they are building towards them breaking up, but I would love to see them continue being together for uh, quite a long time. I, I, I wouldn't split them up right now. I think they're a great act.
2: Mm-hmm. They're really tight together. And like you said, it, like it would kind of be up to creative. Like, what would you want to do with Sasha? Because she really could have. I can imagine she would have a great program with someone like Charlotte. You know, around this time with all the history between them would be cool. But um, Bailey and Sasha together are also really strong. So do you want to uh, elevate a tag division? I, I don't know if they have a plan after watching the show tonight. It seems like they they don't have many plans or plans are up in the air. But it depends on, I guess, what WWE wants to do going forward. And if they want to go with Bailey and Sasha, I agree. She, they're pretty solid these days.
0: And so did you see – I'm sure you saw the recap of this angle, this terrible angle between Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. Oh, God, that yeah. That ended with um, uh, pee and drug tests and uh, I guess it's almost um, – I, I didn't think about this, but I saw on Twitter that – it was almost uh, an exact replica of something that Vince McMahon and uh, Sean Sean Michaels did like 14 years ago or something like that really so uh so they they have this match and the thing that i that i can't stop watching for and this is my own biasy or my own bias which is we we remember Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy When they were the young bucks and when they were on fire, and so Jeff dresses exactly the same as he did when he was, you know, we're talking like twenty years ago now, when he was at at you know as a high flyer as a young young budding superstar, and so you watch him and you go, oh yeah, you know, Jeff Hardy still looks fairly young. Um I know he's had a little bit of a rough time with his with his own demons but you know from a from a look perspective he he still looks okay, looks pretty young. But then when he moves he is trying to do a 2005 Jeff Hardy match but in like half of the the speed, at half of the speed and it's sad because you know the, the it just reminds you of you know, people get old and and your your favorite wrestlers from you know, from when you were growing up that, that they grow old too. And the only way that Jeff Hardy works is if he can be young and he can be athletic and he can be, uh, you know, he can be that that you know, fighting from underneath baby face. And they tried all of these things. With this match, and I just was like, man, nothing that they're trying is working. And Sheamus, you know, Sheamus is the heel and he's doing dastardly things. And I literally don't care because I'm just watching Jeff Hardy going like, man, he was so good 20 years ago. And now I just can't stop watching this old guy in the ring.
2: Yeah, that match made me uncomfortable, pretty much. I mean... So, from the get-go, I'm trying to get a handle on this angle. I thought Seamus was in a tag team with Cesaro, but I guess, you know, okay. Yeah, that was a while ago. So, now he's just, like, he's harassing Jeff Hardy. I guess he's also really um, anti-drug abuse. It was just, it came off as tacky, and it was a little bit like, were they trying to go a little, I don't know, like, do a, a kind of worked shoot quote unquote angle I, I i don't think it worked at all and it especially didn't work tonight because it looked like jeff wasn't doing too well i just don't i didn't understand the point of any of this and by the end of this match i don't know what was going on
0: so um you know you know jeff's getting jeff's getting comebacks like that that you know Seamus will do something jeff jeff will get a comeback he'll 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 do his his baby face stuff, his, you know, his, his quick transitions. But a lot of the time, Seamus is just literally waiting for this guy to do what he's supposed to do. And because, you know, he, it, like I said, it, it's a little bit in slow motion. Um, so Jeff, uh, Jeff hits the twist of fate, goes to the top rope, hits the swanton and gets a two count as uh, Seamus uses the bottom rope, puts a foot on the bottom rope. So they go outside and, you know, one of the cool things that Jeff could do, even 10 years ago, he could do this very well, which is he would just run the barricade. Oh, he would yeah. run across the barricade and do a dive or, or do a jump from the barricade. And he did the slowest run and the, like, you know, w- when he jumps, he kind of leaps out to, to to some sort of distance and just did no distance on his leap and uh, Sheamus hits a brogue kick on him, throws him back in the ring, hits another brogue kick, and he wins a match. And this just didn't, didn't work in, in any way for me. And, and, and I, you know, I, I did feel bad. I, I don't like watching wrestling and feeling bad for somebody because they cannot do what they used to do. Uh, not not the right move for him. Did, did you see... Um, so when they first started this angle, the angle starts out where... Uh, Elias is in is in an accident, and you know in real life he he he's hurt. So so right, to he tore his
2: pectoral out. or something.
0: Yeah, and, and so what they find out is the, you know the, they, as the cops come and you know Jeff Hardy's kind of like out of it, and you know he smells like alcohol, and and so they arrest him or whatever. So Matt Hardy is like watching the show, and he's just like, I'm so thankful I'm not there anymore. And and so that happens again tonight and we'll we'll get to this in a second but the I was I was talking about how the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders were supposed to have a match and then they did this like cinema match, this skit, this the cinematic film of them and uh one of the guys from uh, FTR was like, "Yes, we know we're thankful that we're out of there too." <laughs> and so it's just like you know the, 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 you're almost embarrassed for for these guys who have to do some of this stuff so it's frustrating
2: i don't get it i don't get uh, it
0: so Nijax and asaka were next and i actually thought they were going to have a good match because Nijax has been the uh, bullseye for the internet because she is she's pretty clumsy and she hasn't been safe with folks in the past and so every time she does something wrong it's a big pile on and some of it is justifiable. And some of it is a little bit of a, of a picking on her. Some of it is also because you know she, she is a, a, a larger woman and, and you know how, how the internet can be. And so they're unfair to her in that way too. And so I was like, okay, she's working with Asuka. She's going to have a good match because she needs to show people that she's actually kind of talented You know, when, when, when she's, when she's uh, on her P's and Q's. And who better to have a match with then asuka who's you know the best woman's wrestler uh on that brand you know depending on 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 what your taste is but you know you could probably say her or or Kyrie or eo um you know charlotte is great too i I don't want to hold i don't want to take anything from charlotte but you know those are those are the top ones and and so perfect you know asuka is perfect for her so they have they start having this really good match and asuka is is uh you know she's playing the babyface role, so she's looking to hit you know some offensive moves to take the the big heel off of her feet, and she's got to be creative and she's got to catch her off guard and use strategy and you know look for uh submissions, and so you know because the big monster can only needs to catch you once and and she can give you punishment. So I liked the little cat and mouse game that they had, and and look, Asuka's, Asuka's great. And so the match was getting to be really good. And then all of a sudden, Asuka goes for an arm bar uh, on the outside. And I don't even remember exactly what happened. And then they just both get counted out. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I was giving them so much of the benefit of the doubt. I was actually excited to see what happened. And the most meh finish uh for either of them like this this doesn't do anybody any good it just means that no one got pinned so i was just like oh my god like this is where i was starting to get really frustrated with this show uh because i was just like you know what 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 do we have pay-per-views for if we're gonna do double count outs
2: it felt like a tv match i mean listen it was okay it was fine it was a good match Nia Jax gets a lot of, you know, whatever, because of how she wrestles. She's not terrible. And I could have swore that Asuka and Nia Jax had a pretty good match back in NXT a few years ago. Do you remember that? Like, maybe I don't take over or misremembering sure, sure that?
0: that? I'm sure they have. And, and, and look, uh, um, Nia Jax has had good matches with some of the other women, too. Like, yeah. you know, her match with Ronda Rousey was was fine it, on the pay-per-view. I don't know last a uh, couple years ago so she she can have a good match with somebody it's just when she's got to play monster and she's got to take a little bit of of control that's where she can get a little reckless
2: i think maybe the answer is just to maybe alter her gimmick maybe she just doesn't need to be a monster i mean if it's not working well, why just keep hammering it down everyone's throat. I mean, she's pretty talented and she's a great talker. I'm sure there's other kinds of things. I remember she was doing like a, a comedy thing with Enzo Amore before he got booted. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? Yeah. Like yeah. You know, it was kind of, it was a different side. And I think that's a really easy way to, you know, bring another side of her out while she's kind of working on her craft in the ring. I know didn't she has some knee surgery too. It's kind of, I think like, she had
0: like both of her knees done yeah, at the so same time
2: or something. it's like, I can't imagine, but I just, I know that sucks. And I'm sure that that ruins your kind of groove in any sport. Like if you're out of practice, you're just out of that groove and you got to rebuild it. And it's just a pain. And she's, she just came back. It seems like a couple relatively recently. And well, I don't know. The match is okay, but the finish, I can't blame them. That was just, they didn't want to pay it off tonight. They wanted to pay it
0: off later. So did you enjoy the Miz and Morrison music video that they played uh, before their match?
2: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> no,
2: I didn't like it. Man, John Morrison, it's pretty. It's a shame because um, I feel like in the past couple of years when he went to the Lucha Underground and he, he did all his different names like Johnny Impact and he's he had some really great matches, and he's I think he's really top talent, and it's a, such a shame to see him in these goofy like I know he can do it and i'm I'm happy if he's making money and everything and having fun and not killing himself, breaking his body, but man, yeah, it's kind of a shame to just see him go down clean in a handicap goofball match oh,
0: and and that, and that's what it was to me is you know not not saying that every world title match has to be this super serious, long drawn out, you know, 15 minute match. That is not to the strength of Braun Strowman. It, it is actually the opposite of that. So I get that part of it. But if he, if, if you're going to do this match with Miz and Morrison, you know, probably because you don't have anybody else ready. And they're just sort of like the comedy aspect of it. And it's entertaining for people, but it does hurt him specifically the Miz can. The Miz will be fine. Like the Miz is always gonna, you know, no, no one, no one really takes him too, too seriously, anyways, and he's still able to to stay over. But you know, like like you said, for for Morrison, there is, I don't know if he is uh, going to be a champion at, at any point, but he's got. We we've, we've seen it before in other companies where he does have a little something uh, when it comes to being a, a top guy, and. It would, it wouldn't hurt them at all to push somebody differently in in at the top of the card. I mean, you know, this the fact that Braun Strowman is champion tells you exactly what they want on on this brand for SmackDown. So, you know, someone like Morrison is not going to be that. But, you know, get, get, make make this thing look interesting instead of what they did, which was it was just a glorified squash match. I mean, it was it it was a Braun Strowman squash match on a pay-per-view uh that we you know set aside some time for uh for three hours to 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 watch was yeah just it it just felt it felt cheap and it and and maybe maybe it's for the better i don't know if i want to see these guys go you know for 10 or 15 minutes and um and and have you know more stuff happen maybe it's for the best that that happens that way it's just it just feels cheap and and i don't uh when, when wwe kind of uh plays with the fan base and 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 just decides that they can do stuff like that 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 that's when they start losing people like i, I heard now i don't think this happens but i heard several people today go you know what i might be done with wwe after this show <clears throat> and you know you that happened to you at some point obviously so it can happen but uh yeah it, it, it was really rough um so uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre had a really good match. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, someone from our Facebook group, uh, Larry, who I, I, I was kind of wondering if they were going to do something with Lashley here. They showed uh, New Day. They had um, Big E and, and Kofi Kingston. They, they kneeled in, in, the, in the ring on SmackDown and they're wearing armbands of uh, some of the the folks who who have died because of police police brutality. And so I thought I wonder if, you know, if they if they change the title here not as a kind of like a way to capitalize on anything but just as a a moment to kind of show their audience that they are paying attention to what's going on in the world. And Larry said to me Larry's Larry, Larry African American. He said, "You know what? It, it would be a PR stunt and I don't want uh, a PR stunt. Drew's been doing a great job and, you know, let let if we're creating that moment, let's build it to to create it." Now, I completely agree with him. But I was just wondering, you know, if if Lashley could be that guy, you know, if you did something with him and he won this match and, you know, maybe turns babyface or something, but um uh, probably not the right time. And uh, I agreed. Ultimately, I agreed. I agreed with Larry. But the uh, the ma- the match was good. The the match starts out with uh, with Lashley before the bell rings. Just puts on a a, a full Nelson uh, on on Drew, and uh, and he holds it. You know, he holds it for like a minute, and their referees are pulling him off. And so they start the match with Drew at a at a severe handicap because you know he got jumped for the bell. And that told a really good story because Lashley Lashley is is he has he 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 moves really well for such a big guy. He's got creative moves, they're both powerful and the, there's speed elements to it. Everything looks great and he would hit a move and Drew would kick out at one. And then he hit another move and Drew would kick out at one again. And MVP screaming at him going like, "Hey, let's do something that he can't kick out of." And so then he went back to the full Nelson. Then he did a he went for an ankle lock, and um, the, the early on in the show, Lana came out and wanted to talk to MVP, and MVP is basically like, "Look, Bobby's the one who doesn't want you ringside. It's not me. You need to talk to him." So she comes out to ringside, and the and and the match is going great. I, I'm I'm fully entertained. These two big gigantic men are so athletic, and they're having a good match. Obviously, I thought something was going to happen here or else they wouldn't have showed her on camera. She comes to ringside, gets on the apron, looks at the referee and asks the referee why he is cheating. They had no other reason for her to be out there. They couldn't come up with anything else creative unless she forgot her line. I mean, maybe she forgot her line. But she comes up, she's like, oh, you, you, you know, why are you cheating? And then obviously Bobby bonks into her at some point. Drew hits the claymore and he wins the match. Uh, MVP is flabbergasted. So something happens there. But man, it, it didn't ruin the match for me. I know it ruined the match for some, but it was just so dumb. Like, you know, this is this is one of those where we go, why do they have 40 people in creative or how many they have in creative? Why, why are there so many? Like, if, if that's the outcome, God, I was so frustrated with just that little piece uh, of the match there.
2: It's lazy. It's just like the typical the perfunctory booking. They do, like, do that when, um, like, okay, listen, these two, Drew and Bobby Lashley, they're good wrestlers. They can have a good match and they could finish a good match. You don't need the stuff from the outside if it's not – it's not really doing anything. It wasn't doing anything for me. <coughs> excuse me. When I'm – you know, I, I'm kind of dipping in and out of the product. So when I come back to it, I'm looking at Lana. I'm like, where the hell is Rusev or like what's going on? <laughs> and she was she – <coughs> excuse me. I'm sorry. She was talking to MVP before the match and it's kind of set up but – I. It's unnecessary, but uh, I can't say – I, I kind of disagree with you on I, – I didn't say – I don't think it was a good match. I think it was okay, but there were some parts in this that boy scared the heck out of me. Yeah, he
0: almost – Drew almost fell on his head.
2: Yeah, that that's the main one. That that gave me a heart attack. My wife was in the kitchen. She comes in during – when that uh, spot happens, and she freaked out too. It's like – what when it's kind uh, for me – this might sound silly or stupid but when you start to worry about the actual safety of the wrestler it takes me really far out of the match and i'm kind of and there were a couple of spots where it happened to, like not it wasn't mega dangerous but it was definitely there were some sloppy parts and it kind of looked like lastly was maybe sandbagging for uh for drew mcintyre's some of the moves it's like I just didn't think a lot of what was happening in the match was totally necessary. I don't think these two guys need to go crazy and do these killer, spectacular moves that they're obviously struggling. To. There was a struggle in that tonight, and I think it might have taken away from the match. Just let them go out and do a match and let them be themselves. And I feel so bad for Drew McIntyre. Like, What a great talent who's been so just unlucky, simply unlucky. This bad timing for a lot of his success, it oh sucks. yeah, oh it yeah. sucks okay. so i I hope uh, he can keep his momentum because he was really good in this it, like it wasn't the worst match ever, but um yeah i I don't know, I was worried about their necks,
0: okay, so this next thing was to me, out of all of the negative things that I've said about this show so far, this was by far the worst thing on the show, oh, well, I agree completely, so. All of a sudden, um, one of the announcers is like pauses and was it who was the, who was the announcer? It was the, Tom Phillips and yeah, Samojo. I think, I think and, it was Phillips. It was Phillips. Okay. He's, he goes he goes like he like he stops talking and then it's oh, it's almost like. He it's frozen in time, and I'm like, oh, he he screwed up. What's going on? <laughs> These guys are usually so smooth. I can't believe that he actually screwed up. But what he was doing, I think he was waiting for a cue or something, and then he said, you know, oh, we have word that something's going on, and you see the street profits and the Viking Raiders fighting outside of the of the building. And they're fighting on top of uh, Braun Strowman's car. We saw Braun Strowman earlier in the show drive this, uh, the, this car. I, and, and I guess on SmackDown, something had happened to it, so it got gotten repaired. And uh, they start fighting, and one of the Viking Raiders takes a, takes a bump like on the windshield. So, of course, they're all worried about, oh, Braun's going to kill us. So you have the Raw Tag Team Champions, who are two men, and the Viking Raiders, who are two men and who are big, both teams just running at the fear of Braun Strowman finding out who who ruined his car, as if this show is not taped. But um, so they uh, they they go into the inside, and then they try to still continue their battle. These are just callbacks to. All of the the uh, competitions they've been having on Raw, the Street Profits grab golf clubs, the Viking Raiders grab shields. One of the Viking Raiders has an axe uh, for their axe throwing, and the other one has a bowling ball. And the Street Profits they just start running away, and then and then Montez Ford goes, "You know what? We got we got to st- we got we got we got to stop running. We got to stand up for ourselves." And of course, it at, at some point it he gets a bowling ball right in the groin and you knew that was going to come. And so they go back outside and <laughs> there is Tozawa with some ninjas. God. And they, t- instead of they, 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 see that they're outnumbered. They decide to team up and they basically waste all these ninjas until one who's the size of Shaquille O'Neal, who oh, has boy. a sword and pulls the sword out. Do we know who that guy was?
2: Yeah, that's. I thought it was that NXT guy who showed up in the um, the Greatest Royal Rumble, like Babatunde. Oh, Tunde. Is that who it was? I, I don't know. I'm I, like, I feel like I've seen that super tall guy a couple times over the past couple. He's been there for a while. Like he'll kind of.
0: Right, you might be right about that. I think
2: he did. Like he, sometimes he shows up for some like, kind of squash type matches for new I, new talent. I recall, but I'm not sure. So I, that's who I
0: thought it was. So then they decide to exit again. They end up fighting and they all end up in a dumpster so that uh, one of the female referees can make some statements about which of the Viking Raiders is cute and which one is not. And that's the punchline and that's it. And it was like 20 minutes of the type of stuff that you would be embarrassed to show anybody who is not a wrestling fan and you would be embarrassed and shameful uh if your significant other or if a family member or if a friend walked in on you watching this because they would end up going, like, is this what wrestling is? How can you watch this stuff? Don't you know it's fake? Like they would go into that whole that whole thing. So this is this is one of those segments. Like I, I can't I you know, there's been some terrible ones, right? You know. Vince McMahon kiss my ass club is probably worse, uh, uh, to that, but this was a, a, just a very embarrassing, uh, I can't believe I'm a wrestling fan, uh, situation here. One thing, there are lots of things we could talk about with this. I don't even know if it was a match or what it felt like
2: a weird psychedelic, but in a bad way, episode of wild and crazy kids from the nineties on Nickelodeon. Remember that show? (laughs) <laughs> yes. It was kind of like that. It like It was that. But OK, the point is, what kind of pisses me off is w- this stuff is considered essential business right now. It's really weird when you think about it like that. It's like this was just a waste of time, even for me just watching it it was just silly and they were just doing silly things. And I know it's being sold as like it's escapist entertainment or whatever, but who's the audience here? Like this is something if I wanted to write a movie when I was nine and I wrote a script, like, and it came to life, this is like what, like, you know, a nine-year-old boy is like wrestling booking come to life possibly could look like. They fight ninjas randomly. And then it wasn't the finish like they all fell in a garbage can and there was a monster with a uh, like a tail coming at them. Did you see that? <laughs> and then it just ended. Like, was that even a match or was it, just, you know, and I always I always feel like I have this argument with other people when the argument's always, oh, it's just silly. loosen up. And it's like, yeah, but why? What's the point? Like, who is this for? It wasn't funny. It was just dumb and kind of a waste of time.
0: Yeah, it it felt absolutely like a waste of time. And I don't know if the plan was to give us the worst thing we could possibly watch so that it would make the Edge and Randy Orton match so much better. I I guess it it somewhat worked. Mm. But um, Edge and Randy Orton came out and... They made a statement uh, before the match started, which said they were going to enhance the sound, which I think <laughs> just meant that they mic'd the, uh, the 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 crowd and maybe even the ring a little a, a little bit uh, louder than than normal. I, I, that's all I could tell that that was happening. I don't think there was anything special about what they were doing did did you catch did you catch anything else what, what they could have done there
2: well i didn't catch that uh, announcement but that's definitely that sounds like a new vince McMahonism where he's you know changing what it actually is to something he that sounds better to him audio enhancement is just <laughs> yeah, piping yeah. in audience on a you know cd or whatever it's like dude um not with that with that i don't know I know a lot of people were seemed like they were bothered by it. I mean, it, I wouldn't have done it. I thought it was awkward, but, I mean, it didn't really... It didn't detract from the match. Like, I could watch the match still, for sure. The, I thought the camera work was worse than that.
0: Yeah, it didn't even... I, I didn't even really think about it too much. Like, I could, I could tell maybe it was a little bit louder than normal, but it didn't bother me any. And they also said something about the camera angles or the camera work or something was going to be state-of-the-art or whatever, and I didn't... I didn't really see anything particular with that either that that stood out. Um, So earlier today, it was reported that Edge actually tore his tricep during this match. So, you know, the match was taped about a week ago and just news came out today that he has a torn tricep. So I'm watching this match also looking for where Edge may have torn his tricep. While this match is going on. Uh I think the the time was I think I saw forty four minutes about, uh maybe a little bit longer. Something than like that.
2: I think it was 44, 45 or something.
0: Yeah. Something and so uh long, long match. You don't generally see uh matches this long on WWE TV or WWE pay per views either. I probably would have been fine if it was 15 minutes shorter and it might have even been a little bit better because you take out some of the stuff that you were complaining about which is Edge is selling and 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 certain things and look this was a slow wrestling match this was a deliberate Randy Orton style wrestling match this was not um guys going super hard for 45 minutes. This was like you said, the last 5 minutes were really good because they were dialing it up. And there were other parts where there were some really cool reversals. There was a segment where they did a bunch of old school finishers that was kind of fun. Um but otherwise, it was a very deliberate wrestling match. And and I like I mean I liked it because you know, as long as it's not to the point of where we're like, okay, why are you sitting in this rest hold, or why are you, you know, why are you doing this one thing with no crowd because you know you're tr- you're trying to uh, bring the crowd down when there's no crowd? Like stuff like that just does not work in this empty arena style. And that was my biggest fear with this match. But uh, I think they I think they're good enough, both of them together uh they were good enough to uh to make it work uh, they used howard finkel's voice uh, at the beginning of this match yeah. I, i'm not sure i would have done that for this one it just it just felt it felt a little out of place um you know i i i don't feel like they've done a great job of of telling their audience what howard has meant to them and you know when he passed away uh, so just kind of, it, it didn't feel right for me with this one. Did, what did you think about the Howard Finkel? It's
2: like they use him while he's not there, but while he's, you know, he's here, they don't use him. It's just, you know, but I, if you've been following the company for years, it's just that it's, I'm not like mad. It's just what they do. That's, that's, that's the style of business. It's, I, uh, I would never, I, I don't like it. I thought the whole thing was kind of garret like tacky. And the only thing that I could think of, like, like I was just thinking, why are they using this branding? And I always just kind of was thinking this has something to do. This was planned for the Saudi Arabia show because they always use that hyperbole, like Mm -hmm. marketing, the greatest ever. And, you know, it's just what they use for, you know, Saudi slam. And they use it for maybe they had to use it as a holdover because a lot of Elements of this match seemed like they were like shoehorned in. You know, the wrestling was great, and if you take all that, the MSG, uh, like the uh, microphone coming down, even though they're in Florida, and Howard Finkel's disembodied voice, and I don't know what um, what Little Nate was wearing tonight, but he was dressed up in a kind of like classic referee gear. I, I guess that's what WWE wants you to think what it means to be classic. Or great, I don't know, but um, it just wasn't working for me that part. But the wrestling worked; the wrestling was good.
0: Wrestling so was really or- good. Or- Orton's Orton's out wrestling Edge early on. Uh, you know, Edge is still rusty, and, and Randy's you know the best that, he, that he's ever been, and now he's going to dial it up. Uh, so um, Edge's Edge's comeback starts with a big boot from the outside, and at some point Orton starts bleeding. I couldn't exactly tell what it was from. But it was oh. a small cut. It didn't. It didn't. He didn't. He didn't bleed uh, very heavy.
2: No, I remember seeing that, but I forgot what it was from. But it was pretty early on in the match. I think it might have been a hard elbow or something. I, I forget. But it was maybe like 10, 15 minutes into the match. Yeah, he had some blood over near the bridge of his nose or something.
0: I, I like that Edge was using submissions. He was going for that head and arm choke. He was going for cross faces. Um, it, it it is a uh, a more realistic style for him. I think yeah he still does goofy stuff like the edge omatic, but um <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy I, I did like the seriousness it was like, yeah you know this is what you do in a match when you're just desperately trying to win you you know you you bust out stuff that uh that works in 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 matches or in fights um I thought coming into this, my thought was, okay, even if they believe that last man standing was good that was a miss on that show in front of that non-crowd and in front of this audience it was a miss it was an absolute miss it was so slow it was so boring and here i thought okay they're they're going to dial it up because they know that that last uh match was a miss but they actually didn't, you know, like I said, it was very deliberate. And it was slow. I, I did wish that they would have dialed it up sooner because I know they both could, but probably because they knew they were going so long, they they had to save it, which is why I wish this was more 25 minutes than, than 44. Um, but for the, for the second half of the match, the story is, is that Orton is taking advantage of edges uh, neck, obviously still got, you know, that he still plays up the neck injury, um, which set up a really nice comeback. Uh, and, and, you know, Edge uh, Edge going for a cross face. Randy Orton turns it into an Olympic slam. There's a great two count where Edge turns an RKO attempt into that goofy edge matic Orton uses a pedigree. Edge uses a rock bottom. Orton hits an RKO for a near three count. Edge hits two spears. And I thought that was actually going to be the match. Hit two spears. Nope, Orton kicks out. Orton hits another RKO. Uh, two count. And then he hits edge low and hits the punt for the win uh, and and that was it. really good match I would you know I, I think I said something in the neighborhood of uh, four and a quarter four and a half that's kind of where I've seen most people around four and a quarter um, I, don't, I don't know if you do star ratings at all not not sure what you would rate it, but I, no. I was very happy with it.
2: Yeah, not, I don't really do like serious star ratings, but if I had to give you something, it would be in the ballpark of what you said, like four and a quarter for sure. Um, I, one thing about the kind of last stretch, a couple of those uh, near falls were just a little too much. And I think anytime I turn WWE on or even NXT, some of the extra super dramatic near falls, they just load those matches up with. I, I what is it there for? It's like just wasting energy. If they chopped maybe five minutes of that match out or even less and just got to the, the finish, just skipped a couple of the RKO's or spears, maybe did one spear instead of two. I feel like it would have been like, it would have had more momentum because it did. It's I got to give them credit for building a kind of energy somehow, at least on the screen that built to a, a, Pretty uh, climactic finish.
0: So, at the end of the day, you you sat through this whole show. I, I don't imagine it's going to get you to to start watching WWE TV mm-hmm. again. No. But knowing that we had a really good main event, um, what what would you rate the show? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I've
2: Gotta say thumbs down because yeah, I,
0: I would agree with you.
2: I mean, while the match was good, Edge and Randy Orton. I mean. Some of the stuff was just almost like offending my like intelligence. It's just I'm not. What what is this? I didn't ask. I didn't sign up to to watch this weird movie with the street prophets and Viking raiders like doing. What were they doing? Like polo or basketball or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I so I'm just trying to think. Put myself in the shoes. Okay, what if I'm just. What if I wasn't talking to you about this tonight? What if I was just, I wanted to try it out as a fan, a casual fan. Like, I haven't watched it. Things are, things in the States are changing and let's just give it a shot. Let's see what's going on. I would watch it and I would go, what the hell is going on? Like the crowd is so awkward and they're, everything's queued up. And it's like, they're not acknowledging anything about the real world in a way, in a way that's not really smooth or eloquent. It's just heavy handed and, it makes it gives you like those goosebumps sometimes like, oh, God, like what's going on? But um, but I mean, there were some there wasn't like the worst show in the world. I mean, there were some like that last match was definitely it was a very good match. The first match wasn't bad at all. Um, uh, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley was OK. I mean, it was <laughs> there were just some craze that that spot that you mentioned with the, uh, when Bobby Lashley almost dropped. Drew McIntyre and his neck. It's just like, wh- why is it, this stuff is like, they can edit this. They don't have to do it that way. They don't have to do all this stuff. They can keep it safe. They don't have to. Um, I didn't get that. But yeah. f- for the most part, yeah, it was not a good show, but I had some high points. And I want to watch the last match with no sound on it. I'm interested to see what it would be like without, because some of the commentary was pretty bad. I thought Samoa Joe was pretty good, but some of the, cause they, it's not them. It's just, they have to say all those phrases and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they use the, like the set, like 30 or 40 words. That's hard. It kind of like, takes away. There's so much that took away from that last match where if you just watch those guys in the ring, it was pretty good. So,
0: but yeah, yeah not no, I, 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 I really like Joe, uh, in this match. He, 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 he broadcasts like, um, you know this is this is what it means to be in this move cuz i've been a wrestler before and i always like it when they do that um, okay that, so yeah. so um yeah so 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 that's it um we i guess they're doing what is it the um extreme rules in july which can you imagine all the gimmick matches with no crowd i just i don't understand like the world is different they don't have to keep
2: like they they're there is no reason for them to keep this calendar of like gimmick match gimmick match events on the calendar like just why not do something different? I mean, on one hand they are trying different things with these like cinematic cinematch movies and I that's cool that they're trying new stuff but I don't know sometimes what they're thinking I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand that I guess so about the show it's thumbs down because who is it for? It definitely wasn't for me or you. So who is, and I I don't know if they're hardcore fans even. I hope they like it. I don't get it. (laughs) I just don't get it. Yeah.
0: All right. I appreciate you jumping on here. Sure. Thank uh, you for having me. We're going to uh, send it to the short segment I did with Dave Meltzer, where he goes over his new Japan cup, bracket and he is a very surprising winner Ooh. of his new japan cup bracket so check it out uh again thanks justin and uh, we'll do this again and uh you know check out the article with hannah kimura again cool thanks all right dave we did this last year where we filled out your new japan cup bracket on the podcast short short version of this podcast but still fun to dig through this bracket with you um are you i guess i i guess you are excited that the new japan cup is actually happening because we haven't seen new japan uh pro wrestling in quite a while Though, um, what did you think about the 32 wrestlers that uh, were in this draw versus the other draw because of everything that happened? Yeah, the, the other draw
1: was far superior. Yeah, it was. I mean, there were so many big names, you know, obviously, you know, Will Ospreay in particular, but, um, you know, Jay White. I mean, there's a lot of talent that, that was in the original draw that's not in this. But this is still... I mean, it's good. The thing is, is it's empty arena matches. And, um, you know, that takes it down a notch. And even when they have fans, I mean, there's a really interesting thing is uh, they announced their rules for fans, you know, which is for starting in July 11th. And, you know, it's, you know, obviously they're going to have 4,000 people in Osaka, Joe Hall instead of 12 or just under 12. But the other thing too is, is they told people, please don't cheer loudly mm. because they think that when you cheer loudly, droplets. it might the droplets. Exactly. So they're basically saying you can come, but please be quiet. And so, or just clap, at, but they at, don't really clap. Yeah. You can clap. You can stomp your feet, mm-hmm. um, but they don't, you know, usually only stomp your feet when the match is like out of, out of control and fantastic. Yeah. So we're probably going to have the old quiet Japanese crowd, which In the old days, the quiet Japanese crowd was okay because we watched wrestling in that time for, um, I don't say for moves, but for um, stars and moves. And it was understood when you were watching, for technique actually, a lot was for technique. When you watch Japanese wrestling, because because the technique was higher than American wrestling, and we didn't really care so much about the noise, but now in this era, it's all about the noise, and great technique with no noise is considered bad. You don't know how to work the crowd; you're you're a failure. So now you got to reprogram everyone to, you know, it's it's about the technique and not the noise, and. Um, you know, that's hard to do. So um it's gonna be but you know, I mean, I, I think people want New Japan back, but I don't know. Uh
0: the as far as I can tell, there is one non Japanese uh, wrestler in this tournament, and that is Gabriel Kidd. I don't know no, a lot about Zach Saber Jr. Zach Saber Jr. Um, I'm, I'm assuming they're just both in Japan right now. That's why they are a part of
1: this. Yeah. Yeah. They were in Japan. I guess they just, I guess both of them were staying in Japan. Gabriel kid, I guess was training there and Zach Saber lives there and didn't, I guess he didn't go home. Whereas Will Ospreay and Juice Robinson who have places in Japan, when this thing started, they went home. And so now it's going to take a while for them. They got to go through the quarantine and everything. I don't know when they'll be back, but they'll probably be back. I mean, when I I asked about, you know, you know, those two in particular, and it was just by the time they made the decision, we didn't have the two weeks uh, before, you know, starting up. So it just didn't work, but I'm hoping, you know, that that those guys are going to be back in Japan pretty soon.
0: All right. um, So let's just start. uh, I don't know how your, how your bracket reads, but the first match in the upper left of, of the one that I'm using here, which is uh Chris Samsa's a uh, sport of pro wrestling website. He's got the whole bracket there. You
1: can I fill mean, I've it got out. The bracket, the whole, the whole thing name. in front okay. of me. Yeah.
0: So uh, the first match, uh Makabe against Yoda Suji.
1: Yeah. You got to go with Makabe. I don't, I don't think that um, I don't, I don't, you know, there may be upsets and there probably will be, but I don't think this will be one of them.
0: Okay, the uh the next match is uh Ishi and Desperado.
1: Yeah, same thing. I I got to go with Ishi. I I don't I don't think he should lose in the first round of the tournament.
0: And then Yano versus Jato. Poor Jato. He doesn't move very well.
1: Well, it's actually a good match for him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cuz it's a comedy match. Yeah, Yano Yano should win that.
0: Uh Honma and uh Hiromu.
1: You know they usually put heavyweight over junior heavyweight, but I will be I will be very upset if Hiromu doesn't win this match because Hiromu has too much charisma, uh, um, and they need to respect the junior heavyweight division more than to have uh, Hiromu, even as a smaller guy, go out in the first round. So I think Hiromu, I think Hiromu needs to win this match. And then Okada and Ghetto. Well, Okada has to win that. There's just. You know, I i mean, again, I could almost see for Heat. They're going to get a near fall like, out of this, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I could almost see for Heat, like, doing something with a foreign object. And it'd have to be tons and tons of interference. And, you know, Okada's out of the tournament, you know, because if they don't want him to win the tournament, someone's got to beat him anyway. But, um, nah, I mean, I got to think Okada. Uh,
0: Nagata against Minoru Suzuki.
1: I got to go with Suzuki. Uh, Uh, it's going to be, this is going to be a really interesting match because, um, what's Nagata? Like, I mean, um, I mean, Suzuki's 51 or I think he's 52 in August and Nagata is about the same age. Uh, so we'll see, I know what Suzuki's got left, um, and he's got a style that he can still do at this, at this stage of his career. Nagata, you know, has at times when he was in the last G1, he was almost the MVP of the whole G1, but that was a couple of years back. Uh, so we'll see how much he still got left.
0: Umura versus Kanemaru. Uh,
1: I like you but the way that they do it, I think Kanemaru's going over.
0: And then Gabriel Kidd and Ishimori. Uh, yeah, I
1: got to go with Ishimori.
0: Then to the other side of the bracket Tanahashi versus Taichi.
1: Oh, uh, I certainly want Tanahashi to win, but I think <laughs> Taichi's is going to win this one. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just because yeah. the next round, it's like I don't see them putting Tanahashi against Ibushi or Sabre. And that's such a big match. So, yeah, I, I just then there's always that kind of an upset. I think that this is I think that's the upset is Taichi with lots of interference.
0: Tanahashi was some kind of quarantine jacked. I saw a picture of him the other day
1: big huh yeah 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 yeah. just lots of lots of lifting weights yeah yeah looks like he didn't get a haircut either uh <laughs> um, i
0: mean his his hair looked rough coda against uh, Zack zach saber jr
1: yeah this was a pick em. uh coda
0: i mean this is the this is the best match of the first round right like by far
1: uh this and show and, Sh- and shingo takagi those are the yeah two best yeah ones. those are the two
0: uh taguchi versus sonata
1: Sonata has to win.
0: Uh, Sho and uh, Shingo.
1: Man, this is a tough one. Because if Shingo wins, you have Sonata against Shingo, which is, um, you know, LIJ against LIJ. It's a unique match. So I guess I'm going to go with Sho in the upset.
0: Tenzan against uh, Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi. And then Yo
1: versus Bushi. Let's pick them. Um, mm, mm, Bushi.
0: Kojima against Evil. Evil. And then Goto versus uh, Takahashi. Goto. All right. So moving to the second round, we have uh, Makabe and Ishii.
1: Okay, so now I've got to go through this other stuff. Ishii.
0: And then Yano and uh, Hiromu?
1: Mm. If I'm booking, it's Hiromu. I favor Yano, but I'm going to say Hiromu just because I think the uniqueness of Ishii and Hiromu that late in the tournament with Hiromu having two big wins will make for an absolutely phenomenal match. I don't expect it, but I'm going to pick it. I think that that's, when I look at this bracket long term, um, yeah, I I think I would, I I look at this and I just think to get to Ishii and Hiromu is is a, a great destination.
0: And what a second round match. Okada and Minoru Suzuki.
1: Yeah. Um, this depends on who you want to beat. Okada's, I don't think Okada should win the tournament because I think Okada, you know, and Naito should not be on a one day build.
0: And and I want to save that guy for
1: when there can be a little bit more fans. Right. So somebody's got to beat Okada. Um, It could be the guy in the finals. um, Easily. Um, In the top half, I mean, you could you could have Ishii beat him, which would be phenomenal. So I will go with Okada.
0: And then Kanemaru and Ishimori.
1: That is a pickum. Um Ishimori.
0: Okay, now we have uh, Taiichi and Kota
1: Ibushi. That's a pickum. I could see them making this like the Taiichi tournament. Hmm... Um, um, because I, I think Taichi and Zach and Tanahashi and Koda is gonna be a tag team title program coming up soon. Um Taichi.
0: Nice upset there. And then Sonata and Sho. Sonata. Uh Yoshihashi against Bushi. Yoshihashi. And then Evil against Goto. Evil. All right. Now to see who makes it into your final four. Uh, Ishii versus Takahashi. Ishii. And then Okada and Ishimori.
1: Okada for sure.
0: And on the other side, Taiichi and Sanada.
1: Hmm um. Wow, that's tough. Taichi.
0: And then Yoshihashi and Evil. Evil. All right, so we have to get to the final match, Ishii against Okada.
1: So this is where I go with the upset, Ishii.
0: And then Taichi versus Evil.
1: Mm, I figure if Taichi's gone this far, Taichi.
0: And then your champion of the New Japan Cup is? Taichi. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how many people are going to have Taichi. I guess...
1: I guess... um... Nobody is. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's totally preposterous. (laughs) But Naito, Naito has had good matches with Taichi before. And I'm just I you I, I'm just looking at this tournament with the idea that they you know want to make a star as opposed to like Kota Ibushi, um, and it could be Kota Ibushi go you know I, I I would rather it was Kota Ibushi or or Shingo Takagi I'd love it was if it's Shingo Takagi but I don't see Naito and Shingo Takagi being made Naito and Ibushi I could sort of see I'm you know if you're looking at who who is a guy that is going to face Naito at Osaka Joe Hall in the main event of Dominion. And, you know, I just say, like, Okada and Tanahashi would be, you know, Tanahashi would be great. And, you know, he still could do he could still pull it off. I could see that. Um, but um, I don't see Takagi being the guy. Um, I do see Taichi having a chance. I could see Ishii. I don't think Okada's the guy to do it. Um, Suzuki's a dark horse Evil's a dark horse But it's still Naito and Evil Maybe I mean I know that like See one of the things I know that the plan was for A big evil push this year So it could be Evil Um, You know but I would think That you would do a um, More spectacular turn by Evil Before you do this So um, So that yeah it's kinda, that's kind of that's kind of and and at the end it's a guy that night you know if Taichi beats all these guys and loses to Naito Taiji still elevated so um, yeah it's it's good a choice as any I mean it feels uh feels pretty stupid to say to say to pick all those upsets but there's going to be upsets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Taichi just feels like to me a guy who could win this tournament and be elevated by it
0: all right that's it uh, I appreciate you doing your bracket uh, for the audience here. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so that is it from here. Uh, thanks to Dave. I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.